All right. Welcome, everyone. Great to see all of you, and welcome to those that are visiting for the first time, and everybody that is watching online or listening by our podcast. Today, I'm going to continue with the series that I started last week titled Fully Convinced. Fully Convinced. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you again for this family. Thank you for your kindness, your mercy, your grace, your love. Thank you for continuing to show yourself strong when we need you the most. Thank you, Lord, that as we grow in you, we can have greater confidence of who you are in us, that it's not of our own strength, but it's because of you, your love, your closeness, and your ability. I thank you, God, that today anyone who's hurting, struggling, going through a difficult time, facing death, whatever it is, Lord, I ask that their eyes would be fixed and their hope would be fixed, that you would help them to not waver or doubt, but to stand firm in the midst of opposition and to stand firm no matter the struggle or the difficulty and to not just stand, but to have hope in you, to have confidence in you, to lift their heads high and to trust you like they've never trusted you before. So I thank you, God, for this time that we have together. Thank you for your word. And thank you, God, for challenging us to live differently. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week I talked about Abraham, Romans chapter 4, verses 19 through 21. And we talked about how in the natural, Abraham's situation and circumstance did not look good. In the natural, he was 100 years old. His wife was 90. He was basically in the natural, fully dead when it came to the promise that God had for him. And his wife's womb was fully dead. Now, Abraham and Sarah had received a promise that they would have a son 25 years earlier when he was 75 years old. It would take 25 years for that promise to come to pass. And during that time, they would get impatient and they would take things into their own hands and do it their own way, which led to a terrible situation that we still have to deal with today. We still deal with the ramifications of Abraham and Sarah deciding to have a child through Hagar, which birthed the son Ishmael, which created incredible division and wars that we see today in the Middle East and actually all over the world. And it was a terrible decision where they said, I can't wait any longer. I might already be speaking to somebody. Because when your natural circumstance and situation is extremely, listen, extremely difficult and hard. The natural tendency is to take things into your own hands. And in turn, we do it our way. We work angles. We come up with schemes and plots and plans to figure it out. And what if God didn't want you to figure it out your way, but he wanted you to put your complete trust in him his way? Now, I was thinking about this message, and I was actually laughing at myself because I was curious with the Lord how he let me go 49 years of my life doing it my way. Now, I love Jesus. I gave my life to the Lord in 1993, so I was 23 years old. I was facing prison time. I had gone through a hurricane. I was at my very end at that season of my life. I've been through way worse situations since then. But at that time, I surrendered my life to the Lord and I went all in. So go back, you know what, 30 years, almost 30 years now. And I really loved the Lord, but it was a process of lots of failures and taking things into my own hands. And God still loved me. And I actually was still successful in the world's natural eyes, but there was always a better way. Let's everybody say, there's a better way. There's a better way. Now, God in his love and his mercy and his kindness just goes to show how much the Lord loves you. Because how many things did you do in your own way and God still took care of you and it was even blessed and successful? But there's always a better way. This is the process of God growing you into maturity. The apostle John said, I thank you, Lord, for the children because they have been forgiven of their sins. I thank you for the young men, because they've overcome. They have power, and they know it, and they've overcome the devil. But I thank you for the fathers, because they know God. So there's this process of growing into knowing. 
I'm going to have you guys repeat a lot of things today because for me, the more I repeat them, they get into me. Okay? So let's say there's a growing in the knowing. So the more that you stick with it and don't give up and stay the course, all you young ones that have been forgiven and you gave your life to the Lord, all you that are walking in supernatural power and love to just drive back the devil, there's still a growing in the more that you know because God wants you to learn to rest, trust, be quiet, be still, and know that the devil's already been defeated. So in my younger days when I was had long hair and I was wild-eyed and bushy-tailed, and I was full of testosterone, and I was wild and crazy. I'd wake up in the night and shock out basata, pace around the house for hours, and fall on my face, and cry out in war, and intercede, and God loved that, and he used that, but there was still a better way. Now, when the enemy comes, I'm like, you're not going to rob my sleep. If God's not telling me to get up, I'm not getting up, because there's a rest now. And I learned through the overcoming and you have your story. So learn to walk in your story and let God grow you in your story. Some of it may be mine, but you have your own unique story. Yeah, of course, I wish I could go back 20 years and know what I know today. But God grew me through it. And now I'm rested, I'm confident, I'm trusted, and I'm still learning. And I still take heed. <clears throat> you never come to this place where you've arrived or you feel like you have it all figured out. But I've grown more confident and I'm more convinced today than I was yesterday. God continues to convince you over and over and over and over again. And so 25 years, Abraham gets the promise. It takes 25 years. He blew it, but God still loved him and kept the promise. David blew it. God still loved him and kept the promise of Jesus. Solomon blew it, but God still kept the promise in the bloodline and kept the promise of Jesus. Because Jesus is the only answer and he's the final answer. Jesus is the final answer. Now I'm going to show it to you today so that you can be fully convinced. My job today is to fully persuade you as I have been fully persuaded. I want you to be fully convinced no matter what you're facing. And we're all facing stuff. Every one of us is facing a situation or a difficulty. We all have questions about tomorrow. We have questions about our country, our nation. We all struggle with the things that we see in the world around us. Maybe it's your checkbook. Maybe it's your job or a coworker. Maybe it's the gas pump. Whatever it is. There's all kinds of things that want to get us frustrated, distracted, and angry and cause us to take it in our own hands. Maybe it's an ex-lover or your ex-husband or your ex-wife or fill in the blank of your situation. You're alone or your husband's deployed. Whatever the situation is, God has an answer to fully convince you to not be afraid, to not worry and to not doubt, and to stand firm and to fight back. Everybody say, fight back. back. What happened to the fight back? We don't lay down and, oh, it's so hard. The devil, oh, shame, victim, lay down. Confusion, darkness, death, I'm going to die. Worry, fear, panic attacks, fight back. It's called fight the good because it's a fight. Where's that resilience inside of you? What happened? The harder it gets, the more we trust, the more we rest, the more we let God do the fighting for us. The battle belongs Either it does or it doesn't. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So Abraham didn't waver at the promise of God through unbelief, though in the natural, everything would point to not believing. Instead, he was fully convinced that God, what God had promised would come to pass. He was fully convinced that what God had promised would come to pass, that God would perform what he said he would. God's a man of his word. He'll do what he said he would do, but I don't know when. I may not know how, but it's in his timing. In fact, more often than not, God doesn't do it the way you think he should or in the time you think he should do it. But did he say it or not? Does he mean it or not? So Abraham came to a place, probably because in the natural, it's like the only way it could happen is if God did it. 
So God has this way of bringing you to a place where you can't trust in anything else. (laughs) When will we finally get fully convinced? How much more hardship and struggles and challenges and failures and realizing you just can't do it? When does it finally happen? My prayer is it would happen today. That you would say yes no matter what. No matter what comes your way, no matter what you feel, no matter what your emotions are telling you. In him we live and move and have our being. In him. Everybody say in him. him. Not in yourself. Now I'm owning this message today because I live this message. Does anybody feel like everything around you is like, how much more death? Death, die, die. God's like, cross, 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 cross. Every situation, he's not going to leave you the same. If you've said, God, I love you, I want what you want. He said, okay, well, in that case, you can't stay the same the way that you are today. And the only way to change comes through more death. Now, I don't want anybody to die, but even death is not something for you to be afraid of. That's bondage. I'm talking about death to yourself, death to your fear, death to your worry, death to your own angles and abilities, death to you trying to figure it all out, death to your anxiety, death to your depression. How awesome would that, just right now, let's just praise God for death to depression. You say, but pastor, I'm still feeling anxious. Just start speaking death to it now. Call those things that be not as though they are. Fight back. What happened to the fight back, folks? Shakarabasatarabakata with confidence and strength. Your head's not tails. Why are you living like a tail? Nothing good's coming out of the tail. Because you know what it's close to. I think I'm in a season where second service is getting better than the first. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> Say, fully convince me, God. Fully convince me, God. This is okay. I'm going to fully convince you, but it may not look like you think it's going to look like. Because we think fully convinced is easy. We think fully convinced is a life of and path covered in rose petals. But God says, look, the only thing easy is me. Come unto me, all you who are weak, weary, and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy. You got to yoke up. Everybody say yoke up. Yoke up. <laughs> you know, let me get teach you. This is so not in my notes, but I'm going to go here. Do you know the scripture that says... Um, do not be deceived. What you reap, you sow. You can't, you can't bypass the process of reaping what you sow. The word deceived, oh, oh no, it says God cannot be mocked, right? Have you ever heard that scripture? God cannot be mocked. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. You reap what you sow. Mock is like a stubborn, wild Mustang that's not broke and trained and is unyoked and neighs back at its master to say, I will do it my own way. Whereas God says, the only way you're going to do this is to become like an ox yoked up to me and let me carry the burden for you and don't be obstinate and stubborn doing it your own way. Be broke. Right, Aaron? She understands. She knows horses so well. She takes care of horses. A stubborn, obstinate horse. My dad had one when I was a kid. It, would ki- it kicked me and bit me. That dog was sold, that, or that dog. Dogs are stubborn too. But that horse was sold that night. Gone. God wants you meat and fit and broke for the master's use. A little tug here, a little tug there. Giddy up. 
We don't say giddy up anymore, but I said giddy up when I was a kid. Giddy up! All right. I'm going to preach a message titled Giddy Up. That's my next message title. Abraham was fully convinced that the promise to come regardless of what the natural circumstance looked like or the failures from his past. I'm so fascinated by that scripture that it says Abraham was fully convinced. And I'm like, huh? He was fully convinced, but what about Ishmael? God says, oh, that was behind him. How many of you are letting your past failures dictate your future or your struggle today? Come on. Oh, you think you're, you're alone? <laughs> you're never alone. We're all fighting a fight together. We're all under rowing under the master captain. And we're all working out our salvation with fear and trembling. We all have stuff. The key is that your stuff doesn't rule you, move you, cause you to spin out, blow up, combust. So Abraham believed. And again, see the fact that he was 100 and Sarah was 90. Her womb was dead. He was basically fully dead to have a son. And God did what he promised in his time and his way because it could have only been God. So you can't take the credit for it. In fact, it goes to say that he gave glory to God in the midst of it. That's why you got to learn to be thankful when it's painful. Are you battling a painful situation today? Combusting, addiction, hurt, pain, anger, loss of a loved one, abuse from your childhood, stuff that keeps causing you to spin out. Get your hands up and say, God, I'm hurting, but I'm praising. I'm going to tell you right now, I made a decision a long time ago. It didn't matter what happened on Saturday night when Sunday morning came, I was going to praise him. I don't ever remember a time I walked in and allowed shame and condemnation and conviction and victim mentality to hold me down, ever. It's a Holy Ghost stick up. Get your hands up. You are arrested. Now, I've been arrested in the natural. I want to be arrested in the spirit because I was a convict. Now God is going to make me a son or make you a son and daughter. You're no longer a convict. Get your hands up. He's going to arrest you. <clears throat> you become a prisoner of love. Let's just say that. God, make me a prisoner of love. And I'm not talking about the Dawkins song. So many of you don't even know. There's an 80s hair band. Prisoner of love. I'm like, they don't even know. Prisoner of lust. Oh, man. I love it when I bring up stuff from the 80s and all the young people look at me like, huh? And my wife's not even here. She's, she's that person. Abraham chose to not allow doubt, fear, and his past to dictate his future, but instead he chose to give glory to God, trust God, and be strengthened in his faith. So your faith is strengthened by believing and trusting and overcoming in time. My faith is resiliently strong today only through massive amounts of hardship and overcoming. And I believed God from the beginning. And God just, I had child, simple childlike faith. God, and we've taught on that, have simple trust and childlike faith. And then God continues to mature you and grow you. You never lose the childlike faith, but you mature into a mother or a father in the kingdom that knows the heartbeat of God and the ways of God. That's the process. So we all have a decision to make every single day. The question I posed last week that I will pose again this week is, are you gonna waver? and be weak in your faith, faith, or are you gonna be fully convinced regardless of the situation or the mountain that's staring you down? So, so what happens is, is God uses mountains to stare you down. Yeah. 
It's a showdown. It's like a wild, wild west showdown. But there's a mountain in front of you. And in the natural, there's no way that mountain could be moved. But God says, all you need is faith and to speak and to open your mouth. And your faith may seem really small, but when you speak, what happens? Your faith grows stronger and those things in front of you move out of the way. They move out of the way. Now you may say it's still standing there. Why hasn't God done it yet? Remember last week, I told you the story about the teenager that wanted to give up. And I said, you you just gave your life to the Lord. She says, I know it's been 90 days. God hasn't done what I have asked him to do. I'm like, in 90 days? Because we put timelines, right? So 25 years, how about Luke 8? Why don't you tell that to the woman with the issue of blood who for 12 years went to doctors and healers, and I'll bet you she cried out to God during that 12 years. She was so desperate until one day she had to push past the crowd and barely touch the hem of his garment. But what was it that moved Jesus? It wasn't the touching of the garment. It was the faith inside of her heart that she had before she got to him. 12 years, folks. How about the lame man at the pool of Bethesda? You know how many years he laid there? 38 years, 38 years, and then one day. I don't know when the one day is. It could be today. And you know what? I believe every day that that's the one day. Today, if you'll hear his voice and believe and not harden your heart. Today. So whether, but whether it comes today or tomorrow, I'm not moving. I've, David said, I've set the Lord before me at my right hand. And because he's there, I will not be shaken. Now I've been shaken a lot and the devil still comes to get you shaken. So what I choose to do is instead of shaking, I put the Lord at my right hand and I say, God, I'm going to put my trust in you. I already know this all looks crazy. And in no way does it seem like the promise is going to happen but I'm trusting no matter what, and I'm not going to be moved by that. And whatever you choose to do, whatever the outcome is, my faith is going to remain the same. Because this is what happens. People say, well, how abouts, or what ifs, or how come, or when days? Fill in the blank, all the stuff we see on the news, the cancer, the family member that died from cancer, your parent that died too early, or a child that died too early, or when you lost everything in a hurricane. All those things I have been through. And I made a decision because eternity starts now. Eternity starts now. That's next week. I'm actually going to do an encore of this message. It's going to be all on 2 Corinthians 5 about eternity now. I'm fully convinced. Whether I live or whether I die. Nothing's going to separate you. Nothing can separate you. No thing can separate you. In no thing, be anxious for no thing, but in all, in every thing, get your hands up. Standing at the Red Sea, the enemy's hem- closing in. Get your hands up, stand still and see the deliverance of the Lord. So every day we have a decision to make. Now, one decision is to waver. Don't make that one, but let's talk about it. To waver means to stagger. Now, many of you know exactly what staggering looks like at 2 a.m. coming out of the bar. (laughs) Yeah, 2 a.m., hey! Made it to closing time. Some of you were major staggers. Right. So staggering means that basically I'm not stable. It means I'm questioning or I'm doubting the promises of God. It means I'm in opposition or you're in opposition against the promise of God. It means to hesitate. Now let's talk about hesitating. When you go to help somebody else that's really hurting, broken, and I've heard horrible things from other people. Not only do I have to deal with the stuff in my life, my family, but I deal with stuff in other people's lives. And as you step into ministry, 
you'll be helping other people too. And when you help somebody else, they're usually in distress, worried, anxious, hurting, addicted, broken. They need healing. But they're going to confess all kinds of stuff to you. I've had people confess murder to me. I've had people confess child abuse to me. I get a lot of infidelity and cheating, sadly. I've had people confess the worst of the worst. And I've learned over time that when they're coming to me and confessing, they're coming for hope and answers and life, or they wouldn't be confessing. Could you imagine when you go to confess a hurt or something broken, and the person you confess to staggers at the promise of God or is in opposition for you or hesitates? Not only does God bring us to a place of fully convinced, but I can be fully convinced for you because he did it for me. In fact, I'm going to read a scripture to you in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to read it here in a second, starting at verse 8. Not just yet, though. Christian's two steps ahead of me. All the scriptures before that talk about affliction, which leads to perseverance, which leads to comfort and consolation. In fact, David said it was good that I was afflicted because I learned the precepts and the promises of God. Romans chapter five, starting at verse three says, suffering, we rejoice, rejoice in our suffering because it leads to something. It leads to first perseverance. Then it leads to character. Then it leads to hope. And hope doesn't disappoint us because Jesus loved you no matter what. And when you were in your worst state, while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. You think you're so bad. God says, you're never too bad for me to love you and pull you out of it. Oh, you're going through hardship and suffering? Stand the course. Don't back down. Trust God because it's going to make you stronger. And you're going to finally come to the place that says, it doesn't matter what you throw at me. I'm already a dead man. I'm 100 years old. I'm believing the promise that God's going to birth the son. It doesn't matter what you say. 12 years issue of blood. Nobody could heal me, but I'm still trusting God. And when Jesus walks by, I'm going to push back everybody else that tries to get in my way, especially all the religious people. And I'm going to reach in there and grab a hold of that garment. And I'm going to grab a hold of virtue and strength and the healing power of God. And Jesus is going to stop and go, who touched me? Because you, she reached out to everyone else, but it wasn't until she got a hold of Jesus that she got healed. You know, in deliverance, I'm going to just give you guys a little deliverance lesson right now. Okay. God, some of y'all think you got to go to seminary to learn all the Bible and learn all this stuff. Let me just tell you, you can read your Bible and you got resources today online and, uh, um, uh, commentaries and things you could learn with the Holy Spirit that God could grow you. And if you keep your eyes on Jesus, allow yourself to be a disciple, grow, serve, love, God can take you through his own school of hard knocks. And it will be the hard knock school of ministry. And in the hard knock school of ministry, God trains you through dreams, visions, overcoming hardship, difficulties. You learn the word, you apply God's word and truth. You grab a hold of Jesus and you get your eyes on him and off of everything else. You'll learn that you don't get value in what you do, but who you are. You'll find your identity, all the stuff that you need to accurately represent him when you're in ministry. Okay. In fact, the Bible says you didn't choose me. This is John uh, 15, you didn't choose me. Jesus said this, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed or ordained you for a purpose. And the purpose was first to bear fruit, to be fruitful. That's the first commission of Genesis 1, 27, be fruitful and then multiply. You can't do anything until you're fruitful. Stop trying to multiply, reign, have dominion, replenish, like, oh, more, more. You ain't even fruitful. I'm not talking to any of you. Fruitful's first. And he says, I, I appointed you to be fruitful and that your fruit would never go away. Everybody say remaining fruit. Remaining. You know what happens when your fruit remains? You have what you asked for. Go read it, John 15. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then when there's a year of drought, I'm gonna show it to you. You're the fruitful one because your leaf is green and you got deep roots. You can't see the water above surface because there's a drought, but guess what's underground? I got chills on that word. Oh my God. I only know that because I live in the bluff and we dug a pond and I, and I have a well and I'm like, how much water is underneath? I'll run my well for four or five straight days to fill up my pond. And it's been a drought and rain, but yet there's still water coming out of the ground. 
We're coming back to that, by the way. We're coming back to that. So when I first got born again, I moved back to Miami after I got out of prison. And when I was in Miami, man, it was spiritual warfare like crazy town everywhere around me. I didn't have a rock city. All I had was religious people teaching me religious things, but I had Jesus. I was young. I was naive and I was flamed on, on another level. All right. And it was during that season that I started to have these dreams about crushing the snakes of heads and uh, casting out demons and spiritual warfare. And then I started reading about it all over in the Bible. I mean, you want, who would like a really good deliverance manual of how to cast out demons? It's right in your Bible. Be like Jesus and say, come out and don't hesitate. So I'm not a demon hunter. I'm just a Jesus lover. And when I'm looking at people and I'm praying for them and I say, put your hand on your head, you're covered in the blood of Jesus. They start come, the demon starts manifesting. And then, or I know they're possessed because God shows me by discernment. And then they're staring me down. You ever get the stare down? That mean ugly face. I get to stare down. They hate my guts. But see, I already know it's not the person, it's the spirit because you don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So am I going to be mad at the person or mad at the devil? So when I get the stare down, I learned something a long time ago. Don't flinch. Don't hesitate. You messing with Jesus in me now. Because it's not you anyway. It's Jesus in you. Man, i am almost been beat up. I've been cussed out. I've had people trying to scratch me but couldn't scratch me, but their nails were going up and down my arms and I didn't have one mark on me because I'm not gonna walk in fear. I'm not gonna hesitate. I'm not gonna stagger. I'm not gonna waver. Now, that's just part of the story. I'm talking about your life and the promises of God for your future. He knows the plans, plan, P-L-A-N that he has for you. And it's not a plan to kill you and destroy you. It's a plan to give you something, to give you, so you know what it is? A hope and a future. You're never stuck. The only, it's when you feel stuck and that God's not doing what you think he said he should do or what he said he should do, but he's not doing it in your time that you start working the angles and the promises and the plans. And social media, dating sites, all that stuff gives you the opportunity to take it into your own hands. Did God make you a promise or not? And I'm not saying God can't use dating sites, but it better be the Lord that leads you or you'll get led astray. When you waver, you're disputing with God in your head. You're, you're withdrawing with erroneous judgment. God's not good. God won't do it. I'm just going to have to live with this all the days of my life. Let me tell you, when I was nine years old, I developed asthma. I found out later that my blood father who left me when I was a child has, the sa- has had the same horrific asthma. It's what's called eosinophilic asthma. It's where your eosinophils, are, which is part of your white blood cell count, when it's, it's, it's triggered through an allergy and then you get a massive amount of inflammation in your lungs, right? So I have to combat it by health and how I eat and exercise and the right medications. But I also combat it through confident faith and trust that God is going to do and has done what he said he would do. By his stripes, I was. I'm just waiting for the manifestation of it. So I'm not worried. I'm not afraid. I'm not mad. Why God? Why me? I don't know. Just trust God no matter what. I'll get up here and preach coughing my guts out. I preach with fevers. I preach with sleepless nights. I preach with my ears ringing. I show up no matter what and I press, press, press. The harder the wind blows, the more I lean in. I told you guys that. It's like, oh, it's hard. Okay. I start praying in tongues and I don't know how to pray. I don't even know the answer, but God knows the answer. And when I'm weak, he is strong, Romans 8, 26. In your weakness, in your weakness, the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf. Why do you keep lying down? Fight back with his strength. Not your own strength. I'm telling you, 
Your own strength leads to anxiety, worry, doubt, fear, disbelief, sleepless nights, anxiety, pills, drugs, joints, bruise, cocaine, heroin, sleeping around, boyfriend after boyfriend after boyfriend, combustion, 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 angry, mad, ticked off, angry at the world, problem, problem, problem. Nobody's a good Christian. Nobody's a right Christian. I don't need church. All this stuff that keeps you isolated, it's all a deceptive lie. Put, set your forehead and your face like flint and barrel through it with the power of God, not in your own strength, but his strength. It's not by might, not by power, but my strength says the Lord. You have a lion inside of you. Not a little pussy cat. Wavering leads you to become unsteady and undecided between your opinion and God's truth. Because an opinion is opinion. Look up the word. Opinion means to render decision or judgment without having all the facts based on what you think. But God's word is truth. And when God says it, he means it. It's fact is the only truth you can stand on. So I worship him in spirit and in truth. God, you're true, so I'm worshiping you. I can hardly breathe right now. I'm like hacking up, coughing, can wheezing. Jesus, I'm lifting my hands because I, I have no other hope but you. God wants us fully persuaded and convinced instead of wavering between two opinions. It's funny that Elijah would stand in front of the prophets of Baal and Asherah and say, how long will you waver between two opinions? If God is God, worship him. If he's not, then worship Baal. Either God's God or he's not. But yet 24 hours before that, he was afraid. And 24 hours after that, he was running from Jezebel. Because God understands and he cares. And he continues to work all things together for your good. I'm alone, just kill me now. Oh, little do you know, that's your opinion. There's 8,000 prophets I've reserved you don't even know about. There's water under the ground. You don't see it, but it's there. Get your roots deep. See, fully persuaded, what's the, if you think of fully, think full. There's no room for doubt, but doubt does come. When doubt comes, you say, God, I help me in my unbelief and fully convince me, I trust you, I get my hands up, I may feel like I'm wavering. I wanna get you to the spot of wavering. I'd like to be to the spot where I never waver. But sometimes that happens. So I've learned an answer when it comes as I'm standing my ground. Stand your ground. Keep your seat. You're seated at the right hand of God. Don't trade your seat. Don't trade your power. Don't trade your authority of who Christ is in you. Stop laying down, but fight back. Fight right. Be fully persuaded, fully assured. Here's what fully assured and fully persuaded means for me. It means that what I'm believing is what was promised and that it will happen and be carried through to the end because God said it, period. Now, it's not wishful thinking and I'm not faking it till I make it. Don't fake it till you make it. Oh. Pour out your complaint to God. He can handle it. 32 of the Psalms are open complaints to God. Do you know that? There's, there's all kinds of raw, real, heartfelt cries that were not true or deceptive. Even Solomon had them. 32 of the Psalms. But God put that there to show his love for humanity and his ability to rescue you out every single time. The problem comes when you start complaining to other people and you become cancerous and toxic because of the lie that you believed. So I know that God will do what he said he would do and you become full proof. You're fully proof of God. I know God can do it. And then your story becomes your testimony for somebody else that's going through the same thing. So let's look at the scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter one, verse eight. 2 Corinthians 1, 8. Now, remember, the context of the scripture is hardship, affliction, perseverance, so that you could be comforted. 
It actually, the scripture says, if you go back a little bit in this chapter, it says that if we're afflicted, it's for your benefit so that you could be comforted. And then that very comfort that you get, you can give to other people. So then he goes on to remind us about what it was like for him when he was left for dead, beat, whipped, nearly killed multiple times on his mission trips. And here's what he says. We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. And specifically, the, the most theologians believe he's referring to what happened to him in Ephesus. And I've often told you, I believe this is an Ephesus church. Okay, I love the story of Ephesus. Man, I love that story. Woo! Paul walks into Ephesus, which is, one of, which is the most wealthiest Roman province in Turkey. It, it's, it was... Asia Minor, and in that day, it was Turkey, modern-day Turkey. And he just rolls in, preaching the gospel, doing his thing, teaching the people, being himself, trusting in God. And God makes this decision to start, by God's design, to do unusual miracles through him, so much so that it'd be like taking a, a tissue and, there goes that, rubbing it on my body. Here, take this to somebody that's sick. They'll get healed later. Sounds crazy to us, but that's what God was doing in Paul in Ephesus. And it also says that, that people with demons were getting delivered from a cloth or a handkerchief that touched his body. Now there's a lot to that. The apostle Paul's job was a tent maker. And he wore a lot of dirty cloths or handkerchiefs because his work was for the Lord, no matter what he did. And literally, no matter what I do, if I give it away to you, it can heal you. That's where I'd like to go. I'd love it if you go buy a cup of coffee and the presence of God hits you and you just slain out in the spirit. No, seriously. Whatever it looks like, whatever it takes. So we don't want you to be uninformed about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure. Under pressure. Dun, 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 dun. I know y'all are thinking vanilla ice, but he did not come up with. Dun, 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 dun. Now that song will be in your head all the rest of the day. Under pressure. Under pressure. <laughs> now notice this. We were under great pressure. Anybody feel like they're under great pressure? Watch this. Far beyond, say far beyond, far beyond. Our, ability our ability to endure. Far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. Now imagine the hardship is so great, you feel like you're gonna die and you have no strength within yourself to overcome it you have no more ability to do it in your own strength. That was the story of Abraham. That was the story of the woman with the issue of blood. Elijah, all the patriarchs, Abraham, Joseph, name them. That was the story of the lame man for 38 years by the pool. And so they, they were in the situation where they even despaired of life itself. Total despair. But watch what happened. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but this happened for a purpose. You may not know the why, but you can know God has a purpose. There's a lot of things I don't know why. God's God, I'm not. He's got the final say and the final answer, but you know what I know? God's got a purpose, and I'm not gonna lie down. And neither are you. So this happened that we might not what? What was the purpose here? Trust in yourself or rely on yourself. But on God who does what? Who should we rely on? Who does what? Who raises the dead? He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that, we will continue, that he will continue to deliver us. Now we're gonna come back to that verse 10. So the key here is not relying on or trusting yourself. The key is not losing your hope or faith 
in the midst of great adversity and never stop trusting. Do you know why you can trust God? Because trust is based on fact. He's never failed you. He's never lied to you and he never will. Now, it may not have happened the way that you thought. And some, pe- some of you may be angry at God because you were believing something that didn't go the way you thought it would go. But I'm gonna tell you right now, never stop trusting. God will always do what he said he would do. And you're like, well, I trusted for that person to not die that had cancer. Well, let me just tell you, they got delivered just in a different way. And now they're saying, if you only knew what I'm seeing up here and what you're coming to, it's gonna be so often because life is just dust in the wind. Just dust in the wind. You guys singing the Kansas song. I know, I, I, I hear y'all. What if the why didn't have an answer, but it had a purpose, a purpose that caused total dependency that leads you to being finally fully convinced that instead of trusting in yourself, your full trust is on the one who raises the dead and the one who actually already rose from the dead. This is so cool. I'm gonna trust in God who raises the dead, but guess what? Somebody's already been risen from the dead who lives right now, who mediates on my behalf and forever lives to make intercession, which means he's praying, he's agreeing, he's got perfect love for me and his eyes are never off me. His ears are attentive to you. Just be real and raw and trust and cry out and never give up. That's why I tell so many of you, don't stop coming. Don't stop believing. (laughs) It's like music day. (laughs) Don't stop believing. (laughs) Oh, man. So instead of trusting yourself, you, you put your full trust in the one who raises you from the dead. So guess what? If there's death and you feel like you're dying, there's someone that raises from the dead. And God may allow certain things in you to fully die because it needed to die so that when he resurrects you, you won't go back to that thing. Now I'm going to give you some great scriptures. We're going to breeze through them, soak them in, enjoy them. These scriptures fit right in the context of what I just taught you. 1 Corinthians 15, 31, I face death every day. Yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus, our Lord. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus, okay, riot, crazy riot takes place in Ephesus. The city's turned upside down. The silversmiths say that Paul's gonna ruin our our souvenir shops and our industries and Diana or Artemis, this great goddess and her temple, all this is gonna be for nothing. Look at what they're doing. We need to riot and stop this and stone them and kill them and get them out of our town. He says, if I had fought the wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained? Every one of us fights has to fight a wild beast. You know who the first wild beast you have to fight is? Yourself. Oh, don't pretend. You know who got, you know, when you get saved, what you get saved from? Your wild beast. And that wild beast, if you don't keep it dead or you go back to it, wants to rear its ugly head. It's called the carnal nature. It's called, in, the, in a spiritual term, the flesh. So to the flesh, reap from the wild beast. But the wild beast is dead, crucified at the brazen altar of the cross. So now leave him dead there. Don't pick him back up. Don't go back. Leave the wild beast dead. Don't feed it. Keep it under the blood. Keep it under the cross. Don't go back to the wild beast. And don't fight the wild beast in your own strength. If I, if I fought in the manner of men, I trust God more than my gun. And if I don't know how to be spirit-led with my gun, then I'm going to use it inappropriately. We don't put our trust in the things that man fights with. We trust with the, we fight with the power of God and we trust not in ourself, but in him. If I fought, now here's what's so cool. If I fought the wild beast with no more than human hopes, my faith is not a human hope. My faith is not a hope so. Your faith is not a hope so. Stop that. It's not an I hope so, it's an I know so. 
And it's not in trust in my own ability. It's my trust in God's ability in me. You can't overcome addiction, drugs. You can't overcome this flesh on your own. You can only do it through the cross, the blood, and by laying your life down at his feet night and day and crying out to him. Total dependency. Total dependency like a child. Total dependency like a child. What have I gained if I trust in my own strength? If the dead aren't raised, this, I'm paraphrase this. Let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. I had friends, after I gave my life to the Lord, I went back to my old friends in Miami because I didn't have any other friends and they're all that I knew. And God had to lead me out of that. And now they're my friends. I'm just not doing what they're doing. But I would hang out with them and be, and they're so hung up on the health thing that they just want to hit me with the health thing. I didn't have all my answers then. I just knew God was good and I knew that I needed to trust him no matter what. And I knew hell was a place I didn't want to go. And they said, hey, listen, we're not worried about health. Shoot, Stevie Ray Vaughan's going to be there. All my favorite musicians, Jerry Garcia, there's going to be a party in hell. We have nothing to worry about. Let's eat and drink for tomorrow we die. There is no afterlife. There's no point. There's no purpose. There's no reason to even exist and live. It's a lie, folks. Don't believe the lie. We are created for eternity. And we're created to be with him, Jesus, in eternity. If the dead are not raised, what's the point? Party it up. Jeremiah 17, 5 through 8. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts a man who draws strength from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. Now, God reversed the curse on the cross. The problem is sin sells us into slavery and we find ourselves living back under the result of the curse. But Jesus wants to buy you back now. Some of you need to say, buy me back, Lord. Buy me back. But look what happens when we turn away from the Lord, and we put our strength in flesh. It causes our heart to go astray. And then that person's like a bush in the wastelands. No prosperity. They won't see any prosperity when it comes. They'll dwell in parched places of the desert and in a salt land where no one lives. But look at verse seven. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. There will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. Look, here's my next song for you for the day. The heat is on. The heat is on. The heat is on. You guys aren't even laughing anymore. Wow. The heat is on. And when it comes, guess whose leaf stays green? Guess what happens when you have deep roots and there's a drought and you have a green leaf? Who are the people going to come to? You. And are you going to have something to give? I'm already prepared. See, that's the thing about about uh, being prepared, all us, all you end time preppers, the best pre- preparation you can get is to be a tree planted by the waters and green and fruitful and full of hope and promise. It doesn't mean we don't take some preparation. I did a whole series on that. But it, what it does mean is that my best preparation is in God and that I'm fruitful in the way he calls me to be fr- fruitful. Because when drought and uh, all the things happening in the world around us happens and people come to you, they're looking for hope and answers and life. I really like this last part. It has no worries in a year of drought and it never fails or it has no anxiety. Some of you go to the gas pump and you need a Prozac. I better finish this message. (laughs) The later it gets, we'd have no idea where I will go. No anxiety, guys. Come on. Give up your self-reliance or be forced to give it up one way or the other. Just make the choice now. I surrender all. I surrender all. Remember in verse 10 of what I started with in 2 Corinthians 1, I'm sorry, 2, verse 10, I loved this. 
It's it basically, I'll paraphrase it for you. God delivered you and he will deliver you again and again and again and again. And I liked what, what Delray sent me, said, again, again, again. God consistently, consistently. And at some point you just go, it doesn't matter what happens. I know he's going to raise me up again. All right. In time through the overcoming, forgiveness, faithfulness, and the love of God, you come to the place of trusting that God will continue to set you free and deliver you. No matter what you face, you find yourself getting more and more convinced that God will do what he said that he would do. And no matter what you're facing today, nothing can pull you away, separate, or divorce you from him. That's what I love about Romans 8.35. The word separate, who can separate, literally means who can divorce you or pull you away from the perfect love of God, no matter what you're going through. Nothing. Nothing. Romans 8, 35. Who will separate you? What shall separate you from the love of Christ? Trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. You're going to face day all, death all day long and be considered as sheep to the slaughter. Okay, take me to the cross, whatever it takes. Verse 37. In all these things, we are more than conquerors of him who loved us. For I am persuaded or convinced or confident that neither death nor life, no demonic force, no spiritual warfare, nothing can separate you, no height, no depth, nothing in all creation, nothing of this earth can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, your Lord. There's no separation. So if there's no separation... You should be fully convinced that no matter what you face, somebody's there fighting for you, thinking about you, on your, working on your behalf. And I don't want any of those things to happen. And I don't want anybody to doubt. Sometimes doubt comes. But when doubt comes, make the decision to stand firm on the promise of God and understand in James 1, 2, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. You, know, you should know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So when the test comes, don't allow the doubt to creep in. And then don't hang on to the doubt. There are times that doubt hits me, the what ifs. I got a huge what if right now. But I'm making a decision to say no matter what happens, no matter the what if, I'm not going to doubt. I'm not going to back down. Because he who doubts and grabs on to that doubt is like a wave tossed by the sea. Let not that person think they will receive anything. Some people go, well, how come that person didn't get healed? Or why did this happen? Or how come that child? Or what if? Or the how comes and the when they's. I'm like, you know what? I don't know all the answers, but I know God is good and I know God is faithful. And I'm going to believe for your healing right now. Because I'm not going to go when you come up for healing, say, man, I don't really know for sure that that's going to happen for you today. And it may never happen. And so, you know what? Let's try. I'm like, no, I'm going to believe for your healing now. And if it doesn't come, I'm going to believe tomorrow. <clears throat> and it, <clears throat> if I'm hacking up, I'm going to believe when I'm hacking up. <clears throat> Stand your ground. Stand firm. Don't rely on your own strength. Rely in the strength of God. Okay? <clears throat> Ask God to fully convince you and say this with me. Say, out, out. With, the doubt. with the doubt. Out with the doubt, folks out with the doubt. And I've learned that when doubt knocks on my door, struggles, hardship, difficulty, I get my hands up. See me up here, I start dancing a little bit. Now, don't get mad at me when I say that. You don't have to dance. I don't care if you dance, but I am going to dance. And I don't fake it and hype it. I choose to make a decision to say, God, I believe that you're good. I choose to raise my hands. I choose to stand on the word. I choose to not believe the lies. I choose to get my eyes off the distraction. I choose to not be a staggering divorced Christian thinking that I'm alone. You're not an orphan. You're not an agnostic Christian. All right? Now, God's going to build your story. I can't repent for you. I mean, I ask God for forgiveness in a sense for what's happening on earth and even in our church, but you, you have to take ownership and personal responsibility of simply saying yes and I repent. And don't get, fall prey to the lie out there that you don't even have to repent. You're already in Christ. We're not universalists. But once you repent, you're in Christ. Once you say, God, now I'm in Christ, you're dead to that thing that you used to do. 
even if you go back to it, you're going to realize you're dead to it and it'll never have the same effect ever. And you're not condemned. You're not convicted anymore. You're a son and a daughter. Because even when my son, think about this, when, when my seven-year-old does something that I don't agree with or told him not to do, it never changes his position as a son or my love for him, ever. And I never want him to fall into condemnation and shame and victim mentality. Ever. All right? So today, if you've been trusting in your own strength, working angles, how am I going to figure this out? Somebody did an unjust injustice to you and you're trying to figure out how you're going to get them back. You know, unforgiveness is you working your own angle of trying to get that person back. You're so angry. And then people come in and it's like you got a razor blade and you're cutting your wrist in worship and you think that's going to move the heart of God. That's an antichrist spirit. Instead, just say, God, I'm a mess, but I know you love me and I'm trusting you. Have mercy. Beating on your chest. Have mercy, God. Why? Because he's merciful. You can't cut your wrist. You're not a prophet of Baal. How do we cut our wrists? Shame, victim mentality. We think we're going to move God because we did something for him. The best thing you can do is trust him and get in him and let him, let your being move in him. You're in Christ now. You're part of his body. Okay? All right, let's all stand. I'd like to ask my elders, prayer partners, and team leaders to come up. Thank you. I appreciate that. Elders, prayer partners, and team leaders. Prayer partners, elders. Now listen, don't run out. Some of you guys, you're, you're last in, first out. We're, we're not here to just have nice church. We're here to be transformed. If this message resonated with you, come up for prayer, okay? If you've been doing stuff in your own strength, angry, mad, bitter, trying to do it your own way, you don't know what to do, God knows what to do. Don't do it your way, do it his way. Now, Mark has a word of knowledge that he's going to give before, before we pray. Come up here, Mark. Yeah, this is the third time I've heard, seen this entire phone number. Um, you don't have to say it to you if you want to, if that's fine. But 361-432-7169, God said he is the God who sees, and what happens will not go unpunished. He's asking you today to let go of the anger that you have for the wrong that's been uh, done to you. He says, when you release the desire to avenge it, he will release a heavenly army who will avenge you. And so I don't know who that person is. You can, um, if that's you, just know the Lord's speaking directly to you. Um, if that's your phone number, again, Say it one more time. 361-432-7169. I've seen that phone number four times and this morning as you were preaching. It was, I kept hearing it over and over, almost rhythmically in my head. So um, if that's you, if, if you're watching, the Lord says those things, he will release a heavenly army who will avenge what's happened to you. Yeah, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Stop taking vengeance in your own strength. You don't have to pay anybody back. God's the God of the payback, his way, his time, however. In fact, he paid you back through the cross. Okay? And some of you might think that's odd, weird. Words of knowledge, words of wisdom. And Mark is, has got a true prophetic gift and he's done this before and it was right on accurate. If, you were watch, if you're watching and that num number was your number, please reach out. If that was you, let us know, okay? Because it takes a lot for somebody to stand up and do something like that. And it, you got to trust God. God, can, God knows everything about you. He has all the facts, okay? So I'm going to pray for you publicly. If you would like prayer, you got nine minutes to come up and let somebody pray for you before you get your kids. We'll release the kids at 1.30. And if you today need prayer for anything, whatever it is, we have faith for you, okay? We have faith for you. Healing, 
transformation. Come up and get soaked in the presence of God and let him touch you and heal you. Let's believe and agree together. We're two or more touch as in agreement. <clears throat> According to his will, we'll have what we ask for. So God, I just bless everybody here today. I thank you so much, Lord, for all those that have been watching online. I bless you in your home. I bless you in your work. I bless you in your car. I speak life to you, the presence to you, and that you will be like a tree. I pray that every one of you would be like a tree. Get the roots deep. Get deep roots now. Get deep roots now. Get deep roots now by the river of living water. I bless your life, your future, your family. I speak health, hope, peace, strength to you. I speak the supernatural power of God and that you will trust in him and not put your hope in the arm of the flesh. I speak dreams, visions, signs, and wonders, and God prepare you for what he's got ahead of you. In Jesus' name, amen.